Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! Welcome, welcome everybody to episode 8, season 2, yep we're in season 2 now, of the Fran Kirby Fight Club, your one-stop shop to all things Emma Hayes' Chelsea FCW and of course the absolute legend, the the magician that is Fran Kirby that I love. Uh, you might see me writing stuff about Chelsea on the Squawker channel and also my own blog stuff and of course there is another person on this that also talks about Chelsea and that is Andre. Andre, how are you? I am good. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm shocked a little bit about uh, about the match that we saw against Aston Villa, yeah. but it did give us a chance to see some some other players. So that was exciting. Yeah, and and to be fair, let's just go straight into it. So you know, we faced Aston Villa this weekend, a side that have been doing really poorly in the league. They had two consecutive defeats before we faced them today, and of course, we came out on top. It was a one nil win. Um, and that was from Jesse Fleming of all people, which I'm sure Andre is going to absolutely love talking about. <laughs> There is definitely Jesse Fleming propaganda on this. Um, yes. So it was a it was a one nil um, when we got a clean sheet. However, and you mentioned this off air, the thing that kind of shocked us was the lineup because perhaps Emma Hayes was thinking facing Aston Villa, who were doing so poorly in the league, this might be the chance to rest a few players. And boy, did she rest a few players. Let's have a chat about this uh, this starting eleven, Andre. Yeah, that was uh, that was the biggest surprise. I, I admit in my preview, I got it completely wrong. Uh, I wrote like, you know, <laughs> Pernilla Harder might be back for this one. You know, um, Emma Hayes said that it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, she did come back with a hip injury from international break. But if she had to play against City in the FA Cup semifinal, she would have, but decided kind of last minute no to pull out, which is why Lauren James went with the match day squad uh, for the first time this season. So, yeah, I was expecting a full-strength Chelsea squad. When I saw the lineup, I was like, oh, we're doing that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that was interesting because, you know, Chelsea's next opponent in the Champions League is Servette. And no disrespect to them, but they are not like, they're they're clearly the fourth team in the group. Mm. So I was expecting, you know, not necessarily this lineup versus them, but I was expecting, you know, we could still field a pretty strong lineup and get the three points there. But Emma Hayes maybe decided to uh, to save it, and we're going to go hard in the Champions League, and then we have a league game against Manchester City after that. So maybe that's what the thought process was. But this surprised me. Yeah, and and let's to kind of talk about that individually now. So we we're looking at our usual formation, but not the usual players. So we had Berger and Goal, Bright, Eriksson, and Newman in the middle, which is a partnership that we have said is working. But then you looked at midfield and that was sort of completely shuffled across. So that was Charles and then Ingles in the middle as that deep line aggressor. G in the number 10 role and Anderson on the flank supporting. And then up front we had Cuthbert, England and Fleming. This was, uh, it was quite interesting to see a formation that Emma Hayes is stuck with that she decided that she's going to stick to. Uh, however, playing players who maybe aren't so comfortable in those positions. And, and maybe she felt like, as you say, Aston Villa was... Um, was a better opportunity over Servette to experiment on that because given the amount of games we're coming up, she probably has a B team in mind and could this be it? Yeah, that was the interesting thing is seeing who was chosen for certain for certain positions. And that was kind of the interesting thing, I believe, in the in the match is, you know, I, I did see I do love that the back line stayed pretty secure. It does seem like Nguyen is there with Erickson and Bright to be like the back line that we're going to have we're going to go with the back three we're going to go with that seems to be the case um I know she was brought off at halftime and Jess Carter replaced her 
But Emma Hayes did say after the match, she was a little tight in her adductor and uh, it was she was taken off as a precaution. So it wasn't anything to do with performance. So that is good to hear. But yeah, I thought the midfield was interesting. I do think that uh, I, I did predict, it's funny, I actually predicted Aston Villa's lineup a lot more clearly than I predicted <laughs> our own, because I saw them do this 5-2-3 formation against, uh, I believe it was Arsenal, and it actually was pretty successful. Arsenal didn't score until the second half, and even though the score was 4-0, they scored three of their last goals like after the 80th minute. Or they scored their last three goals after the 80th minute. And so you they knew that they had in this formation, they could keep a pretty good, you know, really talented attacking team, you know, tight. And you could keep them out or try to keep them out or minimize the impact for the vast majority of a game. And that's what I was a little concerned with when I first saw the 11, because I was like, ooh, you know, our starters don't quite have the passing combinations down yet in this formation to be able to consistently unlock defenses and our second unit certainly can't so I was a little nervous but glad to see us get the first half goal anyway yeah and and, and you know feeling a bit nervous about a lineup like this even though it's against a team with all due respect like Aston Villa as you say although they aren't doing well in the league there are elements of their team that have troubled the top um sort of the top three top four and we did see Berger having to make a really good save and it's all sort of the the 80th or 90th minute and I think it was mailing um, who had to force Berger into that save so they had chances to really push us however in turn um, we had a really strong attacking game and I think right from the start I saw the person dictating that was G. Yeah it was a really good game from G and I, I know we uh, I was tweeting from the podcast account um, definitely follow us if you want some some you know live match commentary we're at Fran Kirby FC uh, I was tweeting back and forth, you know, a little bit with Abdullah Abdullah, who covers Chelsea women as well, or really all um, mm. women's football, but but focuses on Chelsea quite often. And, you know, it was it was one of those where we were both in agreement that like, this isn't quite my preferred midfield, but this is a great midfield for for going at Aston Villa. Like basically Aston Villa, and again, in that 5-2-3, we're saying we're not really going to have a midfield. <laughs> we're going to defend you and then we're going to lump the ball up to top uh, in the channels. Um and when you have something like that, you can have a player like G kind of float around and kind of play more like her natural number 10 and look to unlock, you know, the front line, look to find those gaps within uh, mm. within that back line that Aston Villa is putting out, even though it was five across. Uh, it was very, very um, – and, and it was difficult to find the way through. That's why it took a really clever scoop, kind of a scoop pass over the head <laughs> of a defender. And, uh, and Jesse Fleming read it perfectly, turned and ran at the right time, was not even close to being offside very calm finish whenever she's near the penalty spot it's just automatic she she is so calm when it comes to those one ver one v one kind of chances against the goalkeeper because the ball just kind of rolled softly into the net she didn't hit it hard she was just like i know exactly all i need to do to get this goal is to roll the ball right by you and that's what she did it was a great combination by those two yeah you made a really good point there um initially when you were talking about how aston villa were um, their approach to our um, to our game, and I think we've seen them. And, and to be fair, you'd see plenty of smaller teams who do this when they come up against um, the bigger teams of the tournament of the the league. And that is to have a very strong defense, and it, even in their even their midfield, the defensive players there are are able to cover and, and block their spaces. So we really did need a player like G. And when she's in her like in her own sort of niche, her own skills, it's like she just goes into another level. Like she unlocks another 
mode and those like little trick passes through balls and and chips and dinks or or scoops as you call it. I've never heard anyone call it a scoop is that like an American term <laughs> it might be it might little be scoop, like an ice cream scoop okay I'll stop but yeah you need to play exactly like that and I think Emma Hayes knew that G was going to be a big player in this game to unlock that defense and as you say once she was able to to provide a channel through Jesse Fleming's um had the the impetus and sort of the maturity just to roll it back, roll it in and it was that goal on that attacking um line that really kind of i think gave us uh gave us a good start in the game and g wasn't the only one we saw her in the cut but also have a few shots uh i think beth england had a really really good chance um to make it 2-0 so we were getting a lot of chances but i think as you say we were missing the finishes which we would have seen with kirby and kerr yeah, and, and I think ultimately, you know, that was the concern. I remember that match against, you know, Leicester City, where it was very similar. They didn't do a 5-2-3, but they did hunker down in a 4-4-2. And really, those those two lines of four were really, really close to each other. And they were really just making sure, trying to make sure that we didn't get through them. And it took a long time for us to actually get the get the breakthrough in that match. Ended up winning it 2-0, but the first goal didn't come until the 83rd minute. And then uh, Fran Kirby scored in stoppage time. Uh, to make it seem like a lot more comfortable 2-0. And I feel like this match was a little similar. You know, the XG in this match, our expected goals were over 2. It was 2.2. They just had a point one, So clearly they were just looking for either a nil-nil draw or 1-0 or, 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 you know, they, they did have that period in like the final five minutes of regular time and certainly in stoppage time where they just they just basically got corner after corner. And that's where the most danger came from them. They almost seemed to be like, all right, well, we kept it one down to one nil. Maybe if we get some luck, we can get a goal in. So the last few minutes were a little nervy, but it was also one of those things where they hadn't provided much threat at all. But it was it was a good game plan from them because clearly they have seen with that Chelsea does have a hard time breaking down those blocks, which is, mm. I mean, it's not just Chelsea. It's a hard thing to do for really any team. But certainly you put out a new formation and then you put new players in that new formation and you're probably looking pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining Carla Ward was probably pretty, uh, probably smiled a little bit, a little <laughs> yeah. bit when she saw that lineup and realized that she wasn't going to face harder Kerr or Kirby right from the off. So that was that was interesting, but got the job done. But whew, it was unexpected. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of teams forget. Like we have really big players, but then we have specific players who work so well. Um, like for example, G she created the most chances in this game, three shots, um, three chances created. But then, outside of that, there are other players like Erin Cuthbert, Beth England, who has a really good goal goal scoring um, record in previous WSL seasons. And then, and then players you don't even really expect, like players in our defence, that are good at passing out. And I want to mention that now because I found an infographic on the match stats that I um, I think it was another Chelsea fan site. And they posted some stats, and the most passes was Winnie Bright. Most touches was Magna, Mag, Magdalena Eriksson. And again, it just shows how our defence is able to be such a big part of the attack. We need them to help us pass out and pass through um, low presses and pass through centrally, which is how we're able to kickstart the midfield. And I think that was something that was really important today, especially while we were choosing to rest certain big players. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a really good point because that was one of the things that I, you know, spotlighted in, you know, my kind of like quarter season review of like, how is this formation going? How has it changed the way that Chelsea normally play? And the biggest way that it changed is really it's, it's cut down on the direct impact to the attack. 
mm-hmm. and even the midfield that Magda Erickson and Millie Bright have, but Magda Erickson in particular, Erickson will do this thing, you know, last season that we love. She, she had the most progressive carries on the team by far. Um, I can't remember the exact number. I know we did the math on another episode, but it was mm-hmm. like she carried the ball. I think it was probably 300 plus yards more than the second highest player. But she liked to get the ball from from the back line and carry it forward. And a lot of times what that did is just push it, just squeeze the other team. It just dropped them back and it allowed for a lot of movement in front of her to be able to find the spaces in between where the defense or where the opposition was trying to restructure or reorganize themselves. And she was very, very, very good at that. And obviously has a very good eye for a pass, whether it's through the air or on the ground. She's very good, very versatile and left footed. So that's always helpful as well. So we missed a bit of that. And in this match, because they, you know, Aston Villa was in that weird 5-2-3 formation, she had a lot more time and space and opportunity to get on the ball, as did Millie Bright. So that influence was there like it kind of was last season. And that was quite helpful, I do think, in making sure that G could stay high. Uh, mm-hmm. G could make sure that she could find those spaces to kind of turn, receive the ball and play a dangerous pass you know, kind of pick her spots and and figure out when she's going to pop up in space and when she's going to move somewhere else. So um, that was a little bit more of vintage Chelsea, but I don't think we should get too used to it because other (laughs) teams are not going to come out in a 5-2-3. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you say, it's great to see players like G uh, get the chance to show how well they can perform in their natural preferred positions. But I really now want to talk a little bit about your favorite player. And I'd like to give this segment to yes. you, give you this space to just talk <laughs> about Jessie Fleming because we briefly mentioned her goal. And, you know, we mentioned how she's been getting more game time, but she was in a much, uh, much different position today in a formation that she's perhaps not so familiar with. And she really excelled. I just want you to pull your heart out because I know you absolutely <laughs> will. Yeah, I'm, I I won't lie. I actually was a little disappointed or, or I was happy that she was starting. It was great to see her name in the starting graphic. That was exciting. And then I was like, OK, well, how is this going to work? And my fear was that she was going to be playing in the forward line where I don't believe is her best position. Um, so that was a little frustrating, even though I was happy that she started and obviously delighted that she ended up getting a goal. But there were also a couple times where, and I don't know if she was directed to do this by Emma Hayes or, or what it was, there was probably just the space that Aston Villa were allowing. She was in, she ended up drifting inside anyway. And almost at one point, it almost seemed like Chelsea was playing a 3-5-2 because Fleming was kind of drifted into the midfield, kind of linking up with G and other players like that. And I was kind of excited about that. I was like, that is, if this is a permanent switch, and it just seemed to be, it was just a game state thing. Uh, it's just one of those things they tried for a little bit and then reverted back. Uh, but it was, it, it looked to me a lot, she was a lot more comfortable at doing that um, than she was kind of out wide, kind of playing that wide forward position. But yeah, she just, she's one of those just very clever players that is just really fun to watch. You don't really notice her until she happens to do something direct because she does a lot of work that you don't necessarily notice unless you're unless you're doing that like player tracking thing where you're just staring at one player, watching them move, watch what they do, which is sometimes a fun way, especially on replay. It's really fun to watch matches that way, especially if somebody had a really great influence. You know, I know I watch Chelsea men a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And N'Golo Kante is a great player to watch. If you rewatch a game, you just watch him. It's really fun. And Jess Fleming is almost quite similar because you just see her reacting to little things happening. You know, every time 
I'm not saying that other players don't, but it's just that that's her game. Her game is more cerebral. So she's always looking for the space. She's always looking to position herself, depending on what other players are doing, where the ball is. And especially when we have possession as well, she's looking to float around and find spaces. And she's very quiet as she does it, which is a very interesting thing to me. Normally, you know, players will, you know, like fan out. And there's nothing, obviously, there's nothing wrong with either way of doing this. But it's just that Fleming has this ability to read play. And I've said it before, she can kind of like shapeshift. She can be like the most dangerous player on the pitch sometimes by scoring a goal. Or she can just be a ghost. She just kind of float around out there and, you know, a whole back five loses track of her. And suddenly (laughs) she's cutting through the back five, receiving the ball basically right at the penalty spot. Like if you're having a back five, that's the one thing you can allow is the ball to come right between your, you know, basically those three center backs (laughs) and right between them and the goalkeeper. Like that's the space you have to make sure is, is occupied and G and Fleming were able to work out a way to get in that space and score a goal. So to me, that's just that was just incredible. And just one of those little things about her and her, and her game and how she moves that makes me really excited about her as a player. And I am hoping that we get to see a little bit more of her in her more natural position of midfield. Yeah, absolutely. And it does seem that this season Emma Hayes is, is giving a lot more players the freedom um, and almost not just picking her favourite players, which you know, we see week in, week out, but giving some of the other players a chance. And although that has kind of sometimes uh, like gone against us in the past, I do kind of understand. I think what I feel is, is that she wants these players who don't normally play the fringe players to become familiar with this formation. Because as you say, the games are coming thick and fast and it, it's possible that she's going to have to rotate a lot of players and she doesn't want... Um, any of them to feel uncomfortable or unfamiliar with this formation. So I think that's what we saw to say. We saw that uh, with Jesse Fleming in a slightly different position. But do, do you agree or do you feel as if MA has a different purpose in mind for these players? Where do they fit in? That's the hard part is trying to figure out where players fit. I mean, we've seen so many players played in different roles. I mean, you think about all the roles that Aaron Cuthbert has played. Mm. You think about all the roles that like even Neve Charles has played. You know, she's been on the she's been on the right. She's been on the left in terms of fullback. She was a winger at one point. Champions League uh, final. You know, we forgot. Yeah. So like there's there's it's hard to tell. Don't really know is what people are asking me. You know, Lauren James is getting back to, seems like she's getting back to full fitness. Where is she going to play? I'm like, I have no, the only thing I can tell you is she won't play a goalkeeper. That's it. That's really (laughs) all I got for you. I don't really know where, where Emma Hayes is going to stick her. I'm going to guess on the left side somewhere, but I have no idea if it's going to be just like straight up attacking back up on that forward line or if it's going to be a wing back. I really don't know. I mean, uh, again, goal writing. We, We wouldn't have considered last year, last season that we had, with her, I wouldn't have considered like, oh yeah, she's going to be the natural choice for left wing back. Um, and it's really just because we haven't really ever seen her have to defend a whole lot before. And she's been the preferred starter at left wing back. You know, this match, of course, we had Jonna Anderson over there, which is, you know, it was good to see her back. Good to see her in the starting lineup. I think she did okay. I actually think Nee Charles had a really good game at right wing back. Mm-hmm. So she might get back in that conversation, but yeah, at this point, it's really difficult to tell where players are going to plug in. You know, the back three, I think we got. Um, midfielders, we know so when Sophie Engel is in the game, when, you know, G is in the game, when Meli, Meli Lupos is in the game, we know they're going to be in midfield. Everybody else, well, and of course, the forward line with Harder, Kerr, and Kirby, that's obvious, but everybody else is kind of going to get plugged in and have to do a job when they get in there. 
But I suppose that's the the quality of a really good side to have the depth of squad, and not just the depth of squad, but to have players who are versatile enough to play in different positions when called upon. Uh, and you know, like for example, we said Neem Charles, you could say Aaron Cuthbert, uh, G can play in in so many different positions. Our front three is interchangeable, and and even to a certain extent, the front six across those number ten and eight positions. So perhaps well, that will help. You, I'll 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 my own my counter to that is that I would like to see more players who specialize in a position. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I think we do miss that. You know, particularly, you know, the whole change, and in, in from what we assume, the whole change to a back three was the fact that we can't rely on a, a standard right back and our set left uh-huh. back to be able to control, you know, be a good part, a solid part of that back line, you know, being able to ta- attack and defend as they need to. So we've ended up having to switch the formation and put an extra center back in the, on the pitch. I think if we had players who specialize in playing, you know, a position and were very good at it, which, you know, Emma Hayes did say they did target a fullback in the summer, just didn't get mm-hmm. them. And that's concerning a little bit to me. But I, I, I would like to see that. I think the versatility is a good and it's a great thing for these players to show that they can step up in different places and different positions. But I am a little bit concerned because Jess Fleming is a very young player. Um, you have like Lauren James, a very young player. Sometimes those players need to be given like one set of instructions. And so they can figure out all the nuances. They can settle themselves into a team. They can, they know exactly what, what to work on and what to do. And that's harder to do when you have multiple positions that you could possibly go in and play. So yes, you're getting playing time, but are you really getting the experience at that at the position that you're going to be playing? So I'm I'm a little like, yeah, it has its good. I, I guess like most things, I guess it has its it has its positives and it has its negatives. And I'm trying not to be too negative about it, but I really just want us to get actual fullbacks so we can have everybody else settle into their actual positions. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a pretty good counterpoint, I think. Um, it's maybe something we struggled with last season. But uh, as you say, Emma Hayes worked on a transfer signing in the summer and we got a few more young players like Lawrence James. So perhaps she's looking to gel them into a squad. But as you say, it can always be a, it can be an issue if you're not used to playing a certain way. And I think that Chelsea's style of playing, the counter-attacking, the gagging, pressing, the, the, you know, the different positions of formations, it can be quite difficult to sit into. So... It's possible that that she's trying to kind of use these games as a as a placeholder for that, but we can never tell really because you never really know how squads gonna look like. You never really know how the starting eleven is gonna look like. We were shocked this week, but um, next week I think she's gonna have to go with a pretty strong squad because we are. Well, I say I say that, but we're facing Man City. We've already beaten them three 0 in a different competition, and they are really struggling. So uh, whether or not she's gonna think of that and be like, hmm could I get away with resting some more players or whether she's going to want to absolutely annihilate them with our strongest front three, you know, it could go either way. I think, what do you think? Oh, I think, I think Emma Hayes is not going to, she is not going to play any games with (laughs) Manchester city. (laughs) She still sees it like this is a rough run for them. And like, they are, it's been shocking. Like, like today, Lester scored yeah. on them within the first minute. They ended up winning the game 4-1, but that was a match that was just, just ridiculous. They are still a dangerous team. They're still a very talented team. And I don't think Emma Hayes is going to be looking at them at all in a way that's like, oh, we can maybe continue to rest players or rotate a little bit. I actually think that all of the rotation that we've done 
she's done with an eye on that match. Like you need to get three points from that one because in, in terms of talent, that's the team aside apart from Arsenal that is more level with us on talent in the league than anyone else. So you need to make sure that like doubly sure you get the three points from that team. You know, you may end up having a situation like this where you have to kind of suffer through a match where you're going to end up winning one nil over an Aston Villa and you're going to put out kind of a secondary 11 or I guess maybe secondary seven is the way to say it because that back three and, and, and Berger were are kind of set. So mm-hmm. you're going to come out with a secondary seven, I suppose. But yeah, you're, you're, I, I think that Emma Hayes is definitely going to have the strongest 11 she possibly can for that city match. Absolutely. And I think that thinking of Man City, you mentioned they are in a poor run, but it's quite interesting to see where exactly they are struggling this season. And one of those places is pressing. I did note, we talked about this last season, they don't really have much of a press. It's very easy to play through them. But this season, it's it's kind of almost dropped a little more than that. And as as, um, as I was mentioning in the Guardian article the other week, it does look like a, a very disjointed team. We saw them in the the Manchester derby you know that was a draw which you know I think was lucky because even though they had um they were playing against um a team that had one more player than them they still managed to hold on to that draw but again it's just they made themselves very vulnerable and open and and you mentioned the Leicester game conceding in the first minute to Sigsworth I was watching the goal actually before recording um this podcast and playing out from the back when there's absolutely no need to and giving them giving possession away, you're coming up against a Chelsea side that like to press very high. They press from the front. Fran Kirby, as we mentioned, she had that ridiculous stat a few seasons ago with the tackles and def- and the defending. They very much press as a team. It's a collective thing, and I think that that's one of the areas we can actually really exploit Man City because they don't really they don't really work out where exactly the weak weaknesses are, and they're still trying to pre- um, play out from the back so those are those are where goals can come from but even once you get out of that they don't have any press to stop us from then counter-attacking quite quickly uh, and as as you say it's not just a poor run they have loads of injuries on hand as well they were playing the third choice goalkeeper uh, or they have been for a while Ali Roebuck has been um, had been on the on the sidelines so there are there are a lot of ways that that we can actually exploit them but as you also say they do have individual players who are capable of doing things like that Khadija Shaw is one of them they recently signed her this season um Ellen White always up in the goals um perhaps not so much this season because of the way that they have been playing but these are players who can hurt us and as long as we play a very strong team I think um our formation is going to help us really sort of as you say get another win yeah yeah it's one of those it, it is one of those things where a like wounded rival is one of the like most dangerous things you can face and damn it we have to go back up to to manchester and <laughs> that that damn academy stadium again where we just beat them for the first time you know in the fa cup semifinal we beat them for the first time in normal time beat them an extra time previous season uh but but yeah that's always kind of a tough place to go as well so you do have to be a little concerned about that uh, before we get in, before that happens, though, on Tuesday, we do have a Champions yeah, League match Servette. against Servette as well. So that is going to be kind of a thing. And, and both of those are away as well. So we have to go, believe that Servette's in Switzerland. So we have to go to Switzerland on Tuesday, play a match, come back, and then get ready to play Manchester City. And I believe that match is on 
the 14th. Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, and then four days yeah. after, we're going uh, back to face serve again. So we have got three games yeah. in the space of uh, about 12 days. So we haven't even mentioned, like, you know, we, we talked a little bit about squad rotation, but you wouldn't expect... Um, you probably expect more MAs to to have a team like this against Servet and not against Man City, just because they're not doing so well. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. That's why I was thinking, you know, if there's going to be a match where, you know, and maybe, maybe, you know, MAs has done more on Servet and sees them as being a little bit more of a challenge than what Aston Villa would put out. I mean, she kind of knows exactly what to expect from Aston Villa. Like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, even even me, who is not in Mahes at all in any way, uh, got got the uh, got Aston Villa's basically their whole starting lineup and tactic. I uh, kind of nailed it in my prediction. So, you know, Emma Hayes probably felt the same way and felt more comfortable that Chelsea's, you know, I guess backup seven could get a job done. So the Servette match is going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see what the 11 is going to be. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens if Chelsea starts off strong, gets a couple goals. You know, perhaps it's two two nil or something by halftime. Maybe she takes off a bunch of players um, and and tries to you know ride out the second half and get the three points. But given that you know we did have a draw with Wolfsburg uh, that shouldn't have been a draw, but that's one point. You did end up just narrowly getting by. You know Juventus away. You know, this is a, a tough run of matches, even though the competition is, like we mentioned, Man City's in a, in a situation where they're struggling, but they are a rival. And Servette is the fourth tier team, but they're still a Champions League quality team. So they're in the Champions League as well. And we have these three games basically within nine days of each other. So that is going to be a little bit of a brutal stretch. And even then, you can extend it out because three days after the final yeah. match against Servette, we're playing Birmingham, Birmingham. City. I was just about so, to say that. Like, yeah, you know, it's a rough that's, one. That's, um, that's five game, well, four or five games really in the space of just over a week. And it's it's a lot to take in. And and you expect that the play, it's going to be quite difficult for the players. We've seen plenty of players who get injured over this period around Christmas, you know, because the schedule list is so hectic. So I think MAs is definitely going to want to look to rest the key players. Like we didn't see Fran Kirby come on up, up until the second half today. Same for Sam Kerr and Penilla Harder was wasn't in the game either. She has to pick and choose her games. I think MAs and she has to understand because we tried this last season. We tried to rest players at certain times, and there was that Brighton game that didn't go well for us. And and it was almost like after that, MAs was like, you know, oh God, never again are we going to try to pull a stunt like that. But she's having to this season. She's having to in this period. So she has to really pick and choose when she rests her players and and the formation because if the players aren't used to a particular formation like we saw today. It's going to be difficult to come up against a certain type of team, and each team is different. There's a different approach to the game. You know, Birmingham City have different players compared to Servet, and, and then there will be Arsenal and Juventus. So, uh, like you, I'm interested in the the starting lineup, and I'm interested in whether she's going to stick into this formation instead of actually thinking that maybe the formation could change a little bit. Uh, there's just you know, there's just so many games coming up, so there's a lot to dive into. Yeah, there's going to be a ton and it's going to be a lot to to kind of figure out and and it's going to be a, it's really a difficult run to navigate, honestly. You know, this mm. is this is going to be pretty tough because even after the Birmingham match, like yeah, you have a couple weeks then, you know, off to where you well, not off, but to recover where you don't have a match because that match is uh on the 21st of um of November and you don't have another match until the 5th of December, but that is an FA Cup final versus Arsenal. So this is just yeah. going to be a run of just a lot of matches really quickly. And Chelsea needs to get maximum points from just about all of them. So, you know, depending on that first match against Servette, 
you know, obviously the next one is at home at Kings Meadows. So that one should be a little bit more comfortable um, in terms of being able to go there and, and maybe not have the foot on the gas as much as you would, particularly if you get, you know, just like what, nine days prior, if you were to just beat them and get the and away and get the three points, perhaps you're feeling pretty comfortable and confident. So yeah, this is going to be a very tricky run, which, which, you know, perhaps, perhaps this is the, the, the long-term strategy to make sure all the players that we really, really are going to need to rely on are, are as fully fit as they can possibly be for this late, for this mid-season run. Yeah, but, you, you know, we've got to keep up because as, as, as you say, the teams above us, and at the moment that's Arsenal, they're unrelenting and the teams below us, Man City and, and, and Man United, although they might not be doing so well at the moment, you never know because of the individual players. So we have to keep up. We have to make sure we have the squad depth to keep up. We have to make sure that our players are aware of what they need to do in each game to be able to continue winning. And I think um, it's, a, it's a bit different this season. It's a bit harder because it, the calibre of opponent is different. So, you know, just just keep on keep on keeping and, and hoping that we have the the right sort of elements of our squad and the right approach to each game that we need. Because as you say, it's it's not easy and it's not going to be easy. But I am hoping once we get to the other side, we'll realise that actually we still have a whole lot more games to go and we'll just be really miserable. Um, <laughs> but um, but it's just it's been a fantastic start to the season by Chelsea. And I think that um, this next few weeks is going to make or break us. It's going to tell us exactly the kind of team we are. Oh, make a break week. That's yes. that's intense right there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't and- I don't I think the match against Manchester City is, is close to that category because we do just like it's it we must we must get three points from that. <laughs> we um must. There, 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 yeah, there's like it's you gotta keep pace with Arsenal until we can play them again. And and then we have to beat them and then we have to hope that, you know, either goal differential, because we'd be tied on points then, so then we're looking at goal differential. We're hoping they slip up and maybe draw somewhere. You know, they already handled Manchester City handily earlier this season, so we don't know if Manchester City is really going to pose much of a threat to them. Perhaps they get better coaching at some point. Perhaps they start figuring out how to use all their players. I know they're injured at the moment, but he's got Jill Scott playing as a center back, and nobody understands that. So, <laughs> like, there there are just a lot of things that are going on with that team, and I don't know if we're going to be able to rely on them to take points off of Arsenal. We just need to make sure they don't take points off of us as well. So that match, to me, is going to be a really, really big one. I think I think the team is is so focused and has been so focused on – uh, the Champions League, where I'm not too concerned about these matches against Servette. I think it's the league that I have the most concern about because the matches against Servette, I think the team knows what they need to do and they know against that opposition that they can do it. So whoever Emma Hayes puts on the pitch for those matches, I believe is going to do just fine and be able to find the find the goals to win those matches. It's really the one against Manchester City that is like, that's the one we got to make sure we get maximum points from. Yep, absolutely. And as you say, it's going to be tough. And uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to to ask you to all to do a tough thing, which is to predict the scores for some of those games. I know I've just thrown it upon you without really much of a uh, much of any foresight. So let's start with the Servette game, because I think we probably will end up previewing the Man City game as that's uh, that's going to be further along down the line. Like we said, we're expecting a pretty easy run in that game. Perhaps we might see a different lineup. But what will be the score? Oh, the score for the Servette game. I'm going to go 3-0 to Chelsea away at Servette. That's what I'm going Ooh, for. 
three nil, and you and you know, and you're saying that it will be three nil regardless of what players play because you never know. Yeah, I'm gonna go with three. I think it's gonna be a strong enough lineup. Um, I, I I think that I think that. I don't think the our stronger our strongest lineup is going to really like play all ninety, especially if they get you know a couple get ahead by a couple goals. But I do think Servette has had issues. You know they had struggles in the league is in the Champions League group as well. I mean Juventus beat them three nil, Wolfsburg beat them five nil. So you know they have leaked goals uh, to the other um, members in the group. And even though Wolfsburg is our nemesis and we drew with them 3-3, we talked about that on a prior episode. We gave them, basically gave them three goals on our own uh, with with bad mistakes at the back. We are a more talented team overall than Wolfsburg. So I would expect us to be able to pose them quite a few problems regardless of who starts. So I'm going with 3-0. Interesting you say that because I was going to go with 2-0. I just feel like I want to be a bit on the safe side, you know, in case... In it's case fair. We, we did only beat Aston Villa 1-0, and I did not expect that. So <laughs> You never know. No, I feel like if if it's like, you know, if it's like a really close game, you can always expect us to get a goal on the break in a counter-attacking style because Servette would like to push up, and, you know, we can discuss some of that in a review next week. So I think, I think I'm going to stick with 2-0 and, and see if I can... We don't really discuss predictions today, so I can't really remember what you said and whether or not I gain a point. Yeah, I might have just outed myself because I, I don't I, I mean I I know I know I didn't predict one nil. So I know my prediction was wrong. I know I I expected I believe I expected no goals from them, but I thought we were gonna get maybe three, maybe four. Uh so yeah, I, guess, I was very wrong. I guess without even knowing what I predicted, I deserve the points because you were wrong. Oh wow. I was right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm I really don't remember, but um we're both we're both you know we have a similar prediction this week so hopefully that plays out so that um uh you know quite a good opponent to come up against and, and hopefully we will be reviewing the man city game and previewing as well so you will be getting a double dose of analysis from me and andre um is there anything else you would like to say andre i think that's pretty much uh ends the session yeah, I think that's it. I mean, we can we we've we've basically, you know, we got a lot to talk about Manchester City, but we can wait on that a little bit. Um, so yeah, I I just think um it, I do want to just say real quick that I think this was a good win, even though it was one nil and at the end it was a lot more nervy than I ever want, you know, Aston Villa versus Chelsea to be, uh, particularly with the scale with the difference in talent level. I do think that we do need to give them some credit because Emma Hayes has done this before. We talked mm-hmm. about it last season when she when she made big changes to the starting 11 and they went out and they lost to Brighton. And this was a risk because we are already in a moment. We talked about this just a bit ago where we need to make sure we get all three points in the league from every league match until we can maybe take points from Arsenal or get three points against Arsenal again so we can get back close to title contention. So, like this was a very gutsy call, I believe. I, you know, I do think she was forced into it. Emma Hayes was forced into it a bit, given the run of matches that we have. But this was a good thing to have. We got three points. We got players in positions. Um, you know, got them some reps in a position in a new formation. We didn't have to change the formation to get them on the pitch. They had bright moments. They were still a little out of sync, uh, and weren't able to grab a second goal. But there were still some good uh, individual highlights out there. Obviously, you got the really good combination between G and Fleming. And whenever you have really talented players on the pitch, that can happen. So I do want to shout out and say that, yeah, it was 1-0, but it was a good win for Chelsea. 
Absolutely. And I think you're right. Every every point counts at this stage. And and hopefully we can and keep backing those up. We have got a few games coming up, as you say, four or five the next week and a half. However, we will be covering all those games. We'll be covering them on our social media channels. As Andrea said before, it's Fran Kirby Fight Club on Twitter. Um, we will be providing previews and reviews. And both of us do also write um, on our own podcasts. Podcasts? Our own blogs. God. <laughs> um, so we have a lot of content coming up for you and um, we would really love for you guys to stay and tune in on that because we've got a lot coming this way and we really do hope that's all positive we don't really like it when we have to record a podcast and it's about a defeat it's, it becomes quite miserable having to talk about goals conceded so uh, fingers crossed it goes all well um, as as always we say thanks for listening thanks for reaching out and, and messaging and DMing and liking our tweets all the good stuff you guys are doing it does mean a lot especially in our second season of podcasting for the Fran Kirby Fight Club and of course by extension we love it Fran loves it too obviously she loves it she's definitely scoring the goals and, and assists so that's a good indicator as any that she's definitely enjoying all your love um, so keep supporting us keep watching out for podcasts uh we do have a shop an online shop uh, some of you have bought t-shirts and hats from there i have a hat um that finally came in the first um so we do encourage you guys to reach out on there as well and hopefully the next time we talk it will be with three points in the bag against Servette and another three against a man city side who are just asking to be beaten again and uh you know sucks to be a man city fan that seems like a good <laughs> way to end this session Sorry for anyone listening as a Man City fan. <laughs> if you are, remember that fandom is often a choice and you can choose to support a better team, particularly uh, one that is as fun and as good as this child. We will welcome you. Just don't let us see any of that lighter shade blue stuff. Yeah, we, we, like, won't, like... we won't tell anyone, you know, we won't tell anyone about your previous... Uh, previous inclinations yeah, delete all your tweets about them and everything before you come because we don't want you outed or anything just make just, sure yeah. if you're gonna come come as a blank Clean slate, slate and we yeah. will guide you <laughs> we'll, we'll sprinkle the black magic and you will be one of the chelsea cult i mean fandom <laughs> mm-hmm.